The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Aaron Perro columns for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're off to the US today, more specifically, Northern Arizona, where ASX-listed company New World Resources has the Antler Copper Project. Readers of Garen Perro columns in Stockhead will know I've been following this one for a while, so it's a great opportunity to catch up with what the company's doing at the project. We have the Managing Director Mike Haynes with us today to fill us in on what's been happening. And I'll just note that the code is NWC, trading at 3.7 cents for a market cap of about $68 million. So with that, I'll say, g'day, Mike. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Barry, and really good to be back and look forward to having a chat with you today. Great. No, it's been a while. It's been a while. So for those who weren't in on the previous podcast, just give us a bit of a background on the Antler project? Uh, Barry, I reckon about three and a half years ago, uh, New World Resources deliberately set about finding a high-grade copper deposit. And our position back then was that we anticipated that copper price was going to be much stronger in the second half of this decade. Mm -hmm. Hence, we wanted a high-grade deposit that we could bring to production relatively quickly and for relatively modest capex and something that we could fund ourselves. That led us to search for VMS deposits, particularly in North America, because we have a a strong operational team in North America. And VMS deposits, uh, many of your followers may well be familiar with Sandfire Resources and the DeGrasse deposit. That is a VMS deposit. They're typically a higher grade deposits than, say, the larger porphyry coppers. And because of the grade, then the high grades provide an opportunity to, to develop a reasonably modest capex. So we acquired the rights to Antler back in March 2020. And interestingly, it was we signed our agreements about a week before the world basically shut down through COVID. Of course. And we just raised cash to, to undertake a maiden drilling program. And we deliberated. Unfortunately, the drillers were happy to, to be in remote northern Arizona. And fortunately, our staff were happy to be to be working rather than not working and being paid rather than not being paid. And we started drilling in the last week of March in 2020, and we have not stopped since because the results that we've been returning for antlers are some of the highest grade and some of the, the best intercepts of copper mineralisation from, I would argue, any project anywhere in the world over the last two years. Mm-hmm. And because of that success, and then we continue to, to not only drill and to expand the resource base there, but we believe that we've established a critical mass that will take us through the mine permitting process so that in a couple of years' time, we anticipate we will have a fully permitted and much larger resource that we can commence production on and capitalise on what we anticipate are going to be high copper prices. Right, okay. So let's uh, have a look at the maiden uh, mineral resource estimate back in November last year. Uh, What did it come out at? Yeah, so the background to the resource is when we initially acquired the, the project, we thought that 
given the grades, and the grades historically they mined a, a relatively modest amount of 70,000 tonnes of, of ore, but the grade was almost 5% copper equivalent historically. So it was almost 3% copper and about 6% zinc, uh, the historic grades of the production. When we first acquired the project, we thought a, a, an operation, maybe 400, 500,000 tonnes per annum, at those sort of grades would be a good earner for New World. But within six to nine months of, of our exploration drilling, then we determined that there was going to be a lot more tonnes there than would than a, a 500,000 tonne per annum plant would, would warrant. So for example, to optimise a 500,000 per annum plant, you'd want say an eight, 10 year mine life. So around yeah. about 5 million tonnes of mineralisation. We saw very early on that Antler was likely to be much bigger than that. And hence, we did a, in, in December 2020, we did a really quick and dirty internal mine design on an on a internal resource block model. And yeah. that mine design indicated that we could potentially mine 800,000 to 1.2 million tonnes per annum from this deposit with a single decline. Hence, we deliberately targeted having an initial seven, eight, nine years of mine life, or, or potentially when we declared a maiden resource. Now, we, we did push the declaration of that maiden resource back a little bit, and that was purely because we, we were thinking about a bigger and bigger operation. But by the end of last year, so we drew a line in the sand in the middle of October 2021, said, even though we still had three rigs drilling exploration extensional holes, we said, let's calculate a resource because we want to get this mine permitting process underway. So incorporating assay data only up until the middle of October last year, yeah. we declared in November last year, we declared a maiden resource of 7.7 .7 million tonnes at 2.2% copper and 5.5% zinc. On a copper equivalent basis, that comes in at about 4% copper equivalent. So it's one of the highest grade copper equivalent resources in the world. And indeed, an analyst at Canaccord, Paul Howard, regards it as the 30th highest grade copper equivalent deposit in the world. So, yeah. so it's, a, it's a very high grade deposit. Mm. That is just a starting point for us though, Barry. That's, that's just drilling up until October. We've continued to drill with three rigs since. And so we now have assay data for another, I would say another 40 to 50 holes um, since, since then. Uh, but we have used that resource for an initial scoping study so we can outline what the project parameters are likely to look like so that we can get mine permitting underway. And indeed, that's, that's led us directly into commencing a pre-feasibility study. And the first phase or, or the first major phase of that pre-feasibility study is going to be a resource update so that we do a new mine design on a larger resource. Although the uh, scoping study uh, did point to what a, a 10 year project capex of around US 200 million, MPV of US 525 million, internal rate of return of 42%. So a sweet project uh, in its, uh, as it stands now. Yeah, so we see that as just the absolute base case. As yeah. I say, then, then um, since declaring that resource in November, we've continued to drill deeper and deeper, and, and indeed we've extended mineralisation. So that resource had assay data down to about 550 metres below surface. Right. We've now got um, some extremely good assay data down below 
700, 750 metres below surface, and indeed we've got assays pending for even deeper holes. Mm -hmm. So so we are are very comfortable that we are going to be expanding that resource base. And the benefits for that are that with a larger resource base, we can do one or, or two things. We can either extend the mine life, which will enhance the economics, and or we can contemplate a larger production profile. So instead of contemplating, so the scoping study that we've we've undertaken really assesses mining at a rate of 1 million tonnes per annum. If we can bring that production rate up to 1.2 million tonnes or 1.3 million tonnes per annum, it has a really material, materially positive impact on the NPV of the project. Yeah. So, so as part of the pre-fees that, that is now underway, we are looking to firstly expand that resource base, secondly, redesign the mine to see what the optimal production rate is given a larger resource base and with that we expect the economics will look more favourable through both a a larger production profile and or a longer mine life. Right. I don't want to uh, crack the whip over your head but uh, that PFS um, and with its updated MRE is the uh, the basis, when's that likely to be released? Uh, We're targeting early next year, um, likely to be towards the end of the first quarter of next year, we need to get a little bit deeper into the study work before I can give yep. give firm guidance on that. But if it's not late first quarter of next year, it'll be early second quarter of, of next year. So, so um, the the work uh, is at the present until we do the resource update, which, as I mentioned, we are we have got assays pending for. A series of deeper holes that, that we think are, will be very a valuable addition to incorporate into the resource. So until we have that resource, we can't do too much mine design work, or or um, it's it's uh, premature to be doing too much mine design work. But we have got a ongoing metallurgical test work, ongoing engineering work, and and importantly, um, we are through this this process we are continuing to advance mine permitting and and that really is the crux of our objective is to be fully permitted for mining um, as quickly as we practically can and in order to do so we don't need a pfs we don't need a dfs we simply need a conceptual mine plan which we now have and we need to wrap the environmental and social impacts of that conceptual mine plan around the the mine design and utilise that to apply for mine permits. And so as much as anything, that is our that is our more pressing matter, is to, to submit mine permit applications as opposed to to get that pre-fees completed as quickly as practicable. Mm. We are, you are touching the, uh, before about uh, some of the deeper holes. Um, one that caught my eye uh, recently was that 18.2 metres at uh, 2% copper, 3.4% zinc, down at uh, 987 metres. Can you just give uh, listeners a feel for, you know, what, what sh- what's the shape of this ore body? Um, it's been mined previously, um, so I guess you've gleaned lots of knowledge there, but what are we talking about a, a shoot of some sort or...? Is it the is, is the disseminated mineralization around a halo, perhaps, or so? Yeah, just give us a geological feel for it. Yeah, so this, uh, as mentioned, this is a VMS deposit. So, mm. so the mineralization um, back or one point six billion years ago, so a long time ago, was the mineralization was actually extruded onto the sea floor. Right. It was essentially extruded 
if you like, as a tabular type body that sometimes these VMSs can go on for considerable distances and can only be oh, uh, 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 sometimes only uh, a metre to several metres thick. Whereas in other cases, these uh, extrusions onto the sea floor can be many tens of metres of th metres thick. In our case, we seem to have a situation where we have two zones that are steeply dipping. Uh, so they're dipping at about 60 degrees. So they outcrop its surface, but they, they are extremely predictable and extremely continuous. And we have two zones that are about 150 metres long each, one slightly, slightly shorter. But these two thicker zones are extending from surface now down to over 700, 750 metres below surface. Mm. And the thickness of these these thicker shoots, so we call it the main shoot and the south shoot, on average the main shoot is probably around 15 to 20 metres thick, so, so very, very mineable thicknesses. And the south shoot is, is slightly thinner, probably averaging around 10 to 12 metres thickness. But the grades in the south shoot tend to average as much as six to seven percent copper equivalent, whereas the grades in the main shoot are averaging four to five percent copper equivalent. So, so very very high grades and very good mineable thicknesses. Mm. Uh, you you mentioned a hole that was eighteen meters at three and a half percent copper equivalent. That is the deepest hole that we've drilled on the project to date, or that we've reported the assay results from the yeah. project to date. So that clearly illustrates that the deposit. Is remains completely open at depth. Right. Just above that, just 150 metres up dip from there, in recent drilling, so declared a couple of months ago, we intersected a zone that was 42 metres thick that was grading 3.8% copper equivalent. And indeed, that was the thickest zone of mineralisation we've yet intersected on the project. And that was below the, the previous drilling that was incorporated into the Jork resource in November. So so we're very confident that we've added tons. How many tons we've added that remains to be seen until we've until we complete the resource calculation. And even then, um, in years to come, I imagine. Oh, correct, correct. Yeah. And in terms of how big these deposits can be, mm -hmm. um, at present we're down 700, 750 metres below surface. Uh, some some of the bigger VMS deposits, for example, Kid Creek in Canada is currently being mined down at over three kilometres depth. Yeah. And it has a very, very similar geometry to, to, the antler, to our antler deposit. So 700 metres to, to some of your audience, it may sound deep. Uh, for an underground mine, it's not particularly deep. Um, there's, there's many underground mines in, in Australia that are mining down one, one and a half, two, over two kilometres depth. Yeah. So we aren't looking at excessive depths. And particularly with the thicknesses and the grades that we're, we're, we've been intersecting in our exploration drilling, then it's very, very viable to be mining at those depths. Mm. One of the beauties about these VMS deposits is the you know, magic mix of metals. And I think your scoping study uh, uh, arrived at a, that negative, uh, a negative production cost for the copper net of byproducts. That's given, you know, after counting the money you'd get from the zinc cons and the lead and the contained silver and gold. So that makes it very, um, a very attractive in a market where copper was, well, got down to $3.17 a pound in uh, 
mid-July, but here we are. It's bounced back to $3.65 a pound. And it's the metal that uh, everyone is saying is uh, going to take off around 2025. Uh, BHP said that the other day. Uh, and then BHP also made an $8.36 billion bid for uh, local copper producer Oz Minerals. So it seems to be game on in the copper sector. Um and you guys have already have a substantial resource, one that's uh, shaped up looking nice and robust in a scoping study with expirations upside to come, et cetera, et cetera. But I was just wondering, the market cap seems a bit light on at this moment. I'm just wondering what is, why is the market holding back? What are they waiting for, you think, to give a, a fuller valuation of the company? Yeah, the, the market cap is, is very frustrating for me as, as a managing director. Um, I think there's, there has been a bit of a disconnect between the copper market and and the prices of, of all of our peers, all of the emerging copper explorers. And yeah. and, um, and I think the BHP's uh, indicative bid, I, I don't think it was formalised, but an indicative bid for Oz Minerals has somewhat reinvigorated the copper uh, developer sector. Yeah. Now, I see that our market cap is, is probably... People are probably partially confused about can we get this project into production and how quickly can we do it? Um, I, I'd liken that the grade of our deposit, I'd liken that in gold terms to a deposit that actually comprises two million ounces of gold at a grade of seven grams per ton gold. So that's mm. that's what our our seven point seven million tons at three point nine percent copper equivalent equates to. So I think most people would would understand that two million ounces of gold at, at seven grams per ton is very very mineable. So I think we I think that on a grade basis should dispel any concerns about whether we can mine this. Mm -hmm. And that's just purely a base case. That's without adding any of the, the drilling that we've we've completed or the results from the drilling that we've completed over the last eight months. In terms of jurisdiction. Arizona is one of the premier mining districts in the world. 70% of the US's copper production comes from Arizona. And indeed, where we are, we're right up in sparsely populated northern Arizona, which really will help streamline permitting because we are entirely going to constrain our disturbances to privately owned land. And that, yeah. is, that will really help us fast track things into production. But equally, where we are, we're only 15 kilometres from a transcontinental rail line and 15 kilometres from an interstate highway. And we've got mains power to within 700 metres of the old head frame at the antler deposit. So the infrastructure is second to none, which really helps reduce both upfront capital requirements, but also helps reduce ongoing operation, operating costs. And... We've got ready access to skilled workforce in a jurisdiction that is pro-copper mining. And as you rightly point out, there's there's real concerns about where supply is going to come from. And, and the US um, federal government is getting quite concerned about security of supply for uh, some critical metals such as lithium, such as cobalt and including copper. So we are in a really favourable jurisdiction at a really, 
really favourable time. Now, just backtracking a bit, uh, we were talking about the at-depth potential that will unfold over coming years, if not decades. But I was just wondering, uh, regionally, um, apparently you've uh, got a lot of interesting targets, generated IP targets that you might get around to drilling uh, in the fourth quarter this year. Yeah, it's at this point, and we have now been drilling for almost two and a half years on the, at the project. Mm. At this point, the simplest place for us to find more ore has been deeper underneath yep. the, the deepest holes that we've drilled. And we've continued to drill deeper and deeper. And our success rate is something like 96%. So 96% of the holes that we've drilled have intersected massive sulfide mineralisation, particularly as we go deeper and deeper. And so, so it really hasn't been challenging from an exploration perspective to work out where to drill next. We just go deeper and deeper. But Equally, we've been very aware that these VMS deposits typically occur in clusters. And in fact, we're in our district, we've got the antler deposit that we own 100% of. And five kilometres to the north of us is another small but privately owned VMS deposit called Copperwell. We don't have the rights to that. But what we have done is secured the extensions of the geology that hosts these VMS deposits the whole way through from where Antler is right up to Copperwell. And recently we've delineated some extremely strong soil anomalies, copper in soil anomalies through that belt, that five kilometre long belt. In September, we'll undertake ground geophysics. So we'll do an IP survey over those soil anomalies. There's outcropping mineralisation at surface, but what the IP surveying will help us do is to determine where the best part of the mineralisation may be. If we get strong geophysical responses that are 100 metres below surface or 200 metres below surface, and then before we start drilling them, drill testing them, then we can understand how deep we should be drill testing to get into the best parts fastest. So we'll do that IP survey through September, October, and then we will commence drill testing those along strike targets. And, and the beauty is, we are now very, very comfortable that we're going to be building a standalone processing plant to develop Antler. So any incremental tonnes that we can deliver to that processing plant will just further enhance the economics of the project. So mm. if one of these deposits these, or, or these targets along strike can, can, we can mine a million tonnes or two million tonnes from them, then we, we won't need to justify capital expenditure to build a plant to, to mine such because the antler deposit itself justifies that. So really, we just need to, to have a grade that warrants the trucking and the processing cost so that we can realise some value from, from even a smaller deposit along strike. For sure. And imagine there might be some uh, other operators in that part of the world with quote-unquote stranded deposits that might uh, get folded into the mix over time. Who knows? Um, so like building a baseball pitch, isn't it? Build it and they'll come. Now... To maintain this momentum, you need the cash. What's the cash position? So a couple of weeks ago, um, we released, or about a month ago now, we released the results for our scoping study and then um, had some further exploration drill results. Uh, in order to continue to fund uh, further exploration, so further resource expansion, mm -hmm. and to also fund the pre-feasibility study, then a couple of weeks ago, we raised $8 million at 3.2 cents and we are now very well funded to to expand continue to expand the resource base and continue to apply for mine permits and to to deliver a pre-feasibility study 
Right, lots of action. Okay. Well, there we go, folks. A uh, Made in America copper story, uh, one with a coming PFS on the known resource, which is set to grow over time, and with uh, regional exploration uh, to be tested uh, in the not-too-distant future. And more, uh, just important, as important, got the cash to keep that momentum going. So with that, Mike, thanks for your time today. Very interesting story. We wish you all the best. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much, Barry.